We're recording once again in our studio, which, as you can hear, is being debated and a few little final touches being put to it. But it's it's amazing. It means that we can put the kids to bed, come out here to the garden and record, or we can pop out in the afternoon and, and record in here. It, it's it's made it kind of something we really look forward to doing because we get to almost have a chat that we would have had anyway. but record it right yeah. <laughs> this is where this is where you speak <laughs> sorry i totally didn't say that i totally didn't say that you did yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry oh no, no, my listen right you're if right. my own husband zones out what hope what hope? <laughs> no, 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 no. no like we you know we just we, we sat in here and we you know we we listened back to david's episode and you know what's yeah we, once you listen back and, you know, you get used to your own voice on these things and it stops swinging around on my chair. Sorry. Doing um, the same thing with my children. It, you could then go through the episode and, 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 you know, and try to listen to it like like you guys listen to it and then try and give you our thoughts and, and, and feedback for what use that might be. And we did learn the valuable lesson that my voice doesn't translate well or my pace of speaking doesn't translate well to time and a half or double speed it's i wonder how many of you listen to us at that speed yeah well you said you could understand it but i think that's i i could i could but that's through practice I remember practice with other other podcasts. I thought you were just sort of listening to me speak at fast pace <laughs> continuously every day in your ear, which is probably the real reason. Oh, oh dear. So this is becoming just an evening chat, actually. This is this is kind of an insight into our relationship, right up to the fact that I was interrupted during the first attempt to record this by the youngest summoning me from the downstairs toilet. I'll leave the rest to your imagination. So we are we are gathered here today to discuss. Hang on, I think I'm being called again. Is it a cat or a child? I think it's a cat. <laughs> right, guess about high, more high pitched. Hey, baby, I said the listeners could hear it. <laughs> we could do a poll: cat or child. We spend a lot of our lives doing this. So anyway, David, he was Monday's guest, and I. Because we record a little bit in advance now, I I have started to have to listen back to them. And as John said, listening back to your own voice is really, really difficult. All our guests have found it quite hard. And I have to say, you, you do get used to it. And we must be pushing 50 episodes now. So it's, yes, it is, it is something that you get used to. And actually, because enough time has passed between recording and listening back, it's not quite as jarring as it can be to have to listen to it twice in quick succession and then come back and discuss it in in the kind of catch up chat. And yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I just can't get over the whole eight children. No. And he sounded really quite chilled. And then when he said, "Oh yeah, you have to cook them nutritious dinners," and I was thinking, "Goodness, with eight children, I would just be you know lobbing white." Buttered bread at them or something and hoping for the best. The vitamin tablet. A sack of, a sack of grain and some rice. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> grain. So, what the feed trays type things well, I mean, for horses? It apparently worked for most of my ancestors up north. So <laughs> who, who knows, eh? Who knows? 
It's it's only a matter of time before one of our kids starts um, using a mixing bowl for cereal. It's unreal how much those kids eat. But it brings it brings to the point of like when he when he lost Tindy, it was at five children. Yeah, and three of them are twins, triplets. Sorry, yeah, triplets. Sorry, not twins, triplets. But there was it was triplets and twins. I think. Hang on. Yes, it was two girls and one boy. Yes, so that kind of aptly brings us on to discuss what it is like having a big family. And we have four children, which sometimes feels like a very big family. <laughs> it does, it does. But... but most of the time, it's it's pretty cool. But doubling that to eight children, I think, could be quite challenging. And also, David had five children anyway. He was widowed. He had triplets and then two more children. So five children and... Sorry, I mean, I probably should explain a little. David, his wife, they had five children and his wife died suddenly. She had Crohn's disease and this led to new infection, which was called sepsis. And the sepsis was so... Yes. Inflammation caused a rupture. Ah, oh, thank you. Oh, and it was much in the same as the appendicitis, but on a much larger scale. Yeah, he, he did go into some detail, didn't he, about it. And it's caused sepsis which really should have caused her to die in this country just saying that actually doesn't he that a doctor did say to him it's very very rare and actually it just he's come to terms with the fact it was a fluke which is is very kind of charitable and and because when something like that happens you must feel a certain degree of fairness and injustice and lumping kind of anthony here and he what he lost his wife courtney in hospital didn't he sorry i've gone off on one of my my tangents but so he had five children and he had to tell them that their mum had died. I mean, bloody hell! You know yeah. that's that's some job, isn't it? Are you, are you had to do it? You had to tell a child that their mum had died, right? and it is. I don't know. Easy, no, and I, one thing I noticed in the interview was that he uh, he talks about having a. And forgive me if I'm using wrong terminology here, but I, I didn't make that great. And it's a child psychologist or a grief counsellor who was with him when he told them what had happened. He talks later on in the interview about this idea that men feel the compulsion to be strong and lock down their feelings and just kind of get protect everybody around them. I don't think in this circumstance it's necessarily men. I think it's kind of a, a universal thing if, if you have children something like this happens but the way he had the foresight to put in a professional to help him have this conversation and the subsequent way he has helped these children with their grief I think is very I saw a lot of symmetry with how we we've done it with our kids and I thought it was interesting to him talk about the male perspective and obviously you have a far greater insight into that than I do I do, I do, and, and there, there was something that, that related to me. Was when I call it the game over conversation, because I can't really call it. I don't really know what else to call it. But it, it was the you know the one handing over the palliative care that that one. And I remember my whole priority shifted overnight, and it was it was really really strange. The way I used to run my days was I'd take hold of school, and then I got got to be with Sarah all the way up until before she went to bed, and I was always trying to be there to to bed so I was there at the start and there at the end of the day and you know Nanan picked her up from school fed her a dinner gave her a bath or you know helping got her in and then they came in and put her to bed it was a bit of, you know it was a team effort but then when that game over conversation came about that, that changed and it changed overnight it was like I have to go and protect Holly and I wanted to be I, th- I think it was a control thing I wanted to control the narrative 
that was going into my dad's room. And no discredit to my mother-in-law. That, this is not what I'm saying, but this was my own need. Subsequently, it's come up in counselling that I, I want to be a firewall um, and protect Holly from whatever harm I, I'm trying to protect her from. I become this firewall and I, because I need this, this, this like sort of torrid of emotions got to come because we know what's going to happen. And I had to stand in front of her and make sure that I controlled the floor coming to hit her. I think, yeah, that's understandable. And that kind of desire to put the firewall between yourself, your child or your children and this kind of catastrophe that's just happened to them. I I think a lot of widows will resonate with that and, and widowers. I, I, once again, I use the term widow to describe anybody that has lost a romantic partner because yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't. It basically, I just don't want to call different names. Widowed. It makes for a really long podcast, title. doesn't it? Yeah, widowed. I oh, know widowed either way. <laughs> widowed or widowed. <laughs> I think. I think widowed. Oh my god! You tell us. Is this studio good for us? I don't know. We should us. be kept in separate rooms. You know, I think this Maybe. might work better. Maybe. No, I like it. It's, it's cool. Okay, so. One of the things I really liked about David is he talks really kind of. I mean, you can tell that he's had therapy and he's done the work because he's now at this point that you get to where he's talking about acceptance. And acceptance doesn't mean accepting that what happened to you is fair and just and what has been taken from you is okay. You don't have to be cool with that. That's not what acceptance means. Acceptance means that that part of you and that anger (laughs) Sadness will will actually the anger does dissipate. I have to say it really does, but the, the sadness will stay with you. And, but accepting that that's with you and that you're allowed to be happy alongside it—that's what, I, in my view, acceptance means. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that, and that's the um, the reason why the talk therapy works, especially for me, um, is it, it allowed me to put down some other baggage, file away properly. But I was actually struggling enough to carry this, you know, this. Handbag of grief or jar of grief or whichever. So often we will go into therapy a little bit later. You went quite early, but I think that's very much the way you approach things, isn't it? And actually that does tie in with what David says. He talks a lot about this kind of this mentality of you've just got to get this done. You've just got to buckle up or buckle in, buckle up and brace yourself and get through it, kind of head down into the wing kind of thing. and. I do think, again, that's a traditionally an idea that is very masculine, you know, that you will carry the burden. Often men will carry quite a lot of responsibility and not feel that they can talk about it. You know, they may have financial concerns or they may feel have mental health problems they don't want to talk about. And often, just due to the nature of how male relationships and friendships work, as we've talked about quite a bit, they don't talk about their feelings and emotions. And, and actually, I'm not sure that all you know, female friendships always do. I think sometimes we can be quite superficial too, you know. But what then happens is if something like this happens, you know, the loss of your spouse or, you know, a, another in, really significant bereavement or can can kind of push it too much, you know. And if you try and squash down too much of this emotion, it can come out in anger and I don't know, it, it this is where 
the, the importance of talking and sharing comes out because it is dangerous. And I think David even says himself on that, it is dangerous. It's dangerous, this, this idea that you have to remain strong for people around you all the time. Stoic. Stoic. That's a really good word. I love that word. It's that's the cat's coming again. It's that stiff upper lip thing, isn't it? You must remain strong. And yes, to a certain extent, when you have kids, you do, but it's also really important to show them emotion and to show them that you're feeling pain. And I think it's very important that we do that, particularly where we're in a, in a relationship now, because I, well, both of us feel very strongly that we are not replacing the person that they lost you know there is a i still love ben you still love sarah mm. and we are still going grieving them and we will continue to do so and i do think continuing to show them that is important definitely yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and actually david does talk a lot about that as well so I'm, I'm rattling out a lot of i made a lot of notes for this episode can you tell but he talks about the importance of talking about them and, you know, just speaking about them naturally and conversationally and not making this in, this enormous big deal where they're only spoken about on anniversaries or birthdays or big prominent events. Because, yes, it's important that we do that, but it's also important that they become part of everyday conversation as well. Because that way you, I think I might have said, you keep their kind of magic alive. You keep their, the essence of what was them alive, even if you, you sadly haven't got yeah, them. We've, we've, all, we've, always, we've always done it and we've all made the agreement that we... That we would, because we we don't want them to feel like they're forced to forget or anything. And like, yeah, we we would just say to Holly, "Well, today, it's <laughs> quite as early as today. Like, how much as she's as she's growing? You know, she's turning ten now, and she's getting tall. And I'm saying, you're you're looking more and more like your mummy every day. Mm. And it's really really nice to see. You know, even the way that I mean, she has straight hair, and her mum had curly hair when she wasn't straightening it all the time. <laughs> But the the pattern of her hair when it's wet is is the same as her bum's was when she got out of the shower and and it's just the little the, the little things mm. like that we just remind her when you give her you see this little glint in her eye a little smile mm, they love um, it don't they and the, and and that's why you do these things yeah yeah they do and funnily enough we said the same well I said the same to the eldest earlier because his hair's grown and and suddenly he's grown and yeah he just looks like his dad it's it's quite it catches me off guard sometimes mm. because he's not far off his dad's bloody height either. We've got to stop feeding these kids. We've got to start throwing white bread at them. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they're getting now. It did mean no harm. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I think is important when you're navigating this sort of blended family dynamic is the way that you speak about the, the late parent and both of us, I mean, obviously we didn't know Ben and Sarah, but, well, you know, I mean, each other's. It's, it, we sort of compliment and say, oh, you know, you look lovely and red. Your mommy's favourite colour was red, I think, you know, and, yeah. and do that sort of thing and try and make it a really positive thing every time that we're mentioning them. So it's not always, oh, got a whole red, you know, oh, your mummy <laughs> looks so beautifully red. Do you know what I mean? It has yeah. to be much more... It has to be because you want them, that's what you want. You talk then about that little smile and the glint in her eye that mm. she gets when you say that to her. And I see that too, and it's beautiful. And that's exactly what you're looking for, isn't it? When yeah. you, you want and, them to think of them. You know, Monty gave it you earlier when you said, you look just like your dad as he was yeah. walking back in the house. You know, it, it was the same flash then. It's like, okay, that, that's what these kids need right now. Yeah, it is. And their shoulders sort of, you know, their, their heads straighten a little bit and, you know, their shoulders. Would you hold your shoulders high? Hold your what? Hold your head high. Head high. Yeah. Head high. That's it. Oh my god! 
do you think that we should not do these in the evening? <laughs> I think I've run out you, of... You tell us visitors. Think... Says, uh, visitors? <laughs> hey, <laughs> listeners, listeners. I can subscribe for this awesome content. Um. So uh, last time we sort of checked in with you guys, I'd had, well, we both had a bit of a rough week sort of emotionally, hadn't we? Bit of a rocky, should we say, rocky, turbulent. Turbulent, yeah. Turbulent week. If you're a rather driver. And we ended up on Saturday, we had plans to go and see Pink up at Hyde Park. We and did. I was a bit, I don't know, apprehensive is maybe the wrong word, but a little, I, I so I guess a little bit of anxiety was sort of rippling about it because I'd been a bit unsettled and I didn't want to, I don't know, have a bit of an incident or a wobble. And actually, it was fantastic. It was really well run. The show was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? I mean, it was something else. It was. To, to see a human singing that well whilst being catapulted round Hyde Park yeah, above everyone's head and spinning. Oh, my God. And she was singing live, wasn't she, as she, well? Yeah, she was. I, I didn't spend so I don't myself. Well, and she's, um, I mean, I said to one of the kids, I showed them a video, and I said, I said, hey, look, look at this woman. She's And she's singing. They were like, wow, wow. wow. And she's my, my age. And at which point they just went, what? <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, so that's the thing you find unbelievable. Ones. Maybe, maybe I shall find myself some trapeze lessons and show them. I don't, I don't think I've got the I, core for that. I heard someone referencing music from the 1990s as the late 1900s. Just let that sink in. What? What, like, at the gig? No, it's, it's probably on some social network video. That it's makes like, me feel got, very, very uh, they, they had the Nevermind tape. I'm going to have a tape here. This music from the late 1900s. Wow. So, thanks, world. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. We also got to see Gwen Stefani talking of sort of late 90s. Yes. Nostalgia, Harlow yeah. Girl. John did not get up and dance to that, which I thought was a bit standoffish of him, if I'm honest. Mm, yeah. <laughs> no one likes a warflower. <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, we. so I did book myself another therapy session and I don't think I've done that before. I've had two in a week. No. But I really wanted to try and figure out why I'd got so completely distressed by it all and I think to be honest it's, a, it's an accumulation of things and I think when you have fought really really hard for something for as long as I've had to fight for this child or it, and then to feel like you've hit a dead end it feels you feel very power powerless and I talked about this on last week's episode and then I think I probably name dropped on Instagram because we do have Julia Samuel who wrote the book Grief Works coming on or coming in on Monday coming on the podcast she's not coming into the studio and I was reading the book which shamefully I haven't read up until now because I never really thought of myself as a fan of a self-help book I find them or find them quite difficult to access but I think like many people, I found reading quite difficult in yeah, the Bordeaux years. Me too. I, yeah. I, I'm, still, I'm still struggling to get back to it. So I've probably seen. got loads sort of in the basement somewhere because loads of people did get me books. And I found it very difficult to read them. But what I'm really struggling to believe is that I hadn't read this book because there is so many similarities between what we have found works and what we kind of preach, for want of a better word, on here with with what Julia recommends and what she suggests. And 
yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I would recommend reading it. I'm about halfway through, so I would need to get my skates on, really. And then what I think we will do is all going well. We will put out a special in the middle of next week because we'll be very excited to get this content to you, I think. So we'll we'll see what we can do. I'm not going to make any promises. John's looking slightly terrified over there. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see what we can do because... I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I do. I, the imposter syndrome is real. But I'm also really excited and I have listened to her on a couple of other podcasts and it sounds like she's really, really engaging and really interesting and very kind of raw and honest, which is obviously what we do here as well. So I will be interested to see what she has to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite I'm quite excited to see, see what she has to say too. I think finally, just before we, we clear off for, for the for this one, one of the things that stood out to me and a, a friend of mine who also has lots of children, she she picked up on as well, was the way that David just just refers to himself as having eight children. Yeah. You know, there's no, I have six children, but two of them are not biologically mine or anything like that. And I like that. And I actually did an Instagram post today about this kind of, you know, all in or, you know, you, you make a decision as a couple, don't you, whether you're going to go all in and become a parent to the child or yeah. whether you're going to keep a little distance because they may be older, they may have, you know, concerns about this relationship or, you know, resistance. So it's about finding what works for you and your new family dynamic and for us and for david the 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 best thing was just to kind of go all in yeah but But, i but we were very very clear and i think we've said to him on many occasions we're not here to replace but we are here Mm. to care for you and uh, and love you in our in our our own way and i think if you go in you get the best out of them yeah yeah and and especially when they are younger i think you are it's easier to do it in many ways i think unfortunately once they get to teenage it gets a bit difficult and on that note if we just point out that david and his new wife about about sorry my pronunciation may not be right they currently have three 13 year olds in the house we just all think about that for a moment both genders oh no, thank you. <laughs> Although we will at some point have two, so we shouldn't get two. Yeah, not all 13. <laughs> no. like... well, Hector and Holly will be 13 at one point together. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that's more for Holly than Hector, if I'm honest. <laughs> that's, that's when we... I know her mum. That's when we employ <laughs> nanny. No, we, we would not. Right, anyway, on that note where I discuss abandoning my children, just to sign off by saying thank you to everybody who has already voted for us in the People's Choice Awards for the British Podcast award 2023 you've all been so lovely and been sharing this far and wide if you would like to continue to do so we would be very grateful i i genuinely don't imagine that we have a a chance but as you know as with this entire adventure we've gone on with the podcast you've got to give it a go and see and see where it lands so we will see we Mm. shall see but yeah it's it's been it's been really really fun and and we actually are we're fast approaching having done this for six months which feels incredible it so does, thanks yeah. for being with us uh, and also thank you for all your feedback last week we're going to stick with the facebook group for now i have um, made it private but we have made it private as requested so hopefully that'll give you guys a bit more freedom i will try and find my way in you may see a celebratory post if i ever find it it'll either <laughs> be on the um, it'll either be on the fan page or in the group Who sure knows? i've invited you yeah um, i need to figure this out a little bit so i may get a friend who's got a little bit more savvy in these areas to come in and help me but anyway for now you take care of yourselves so we will love you and leave you for now but we'll be back with you on monday with eileen and that's 
a tricky one, isn't it? That's another COVID death. So yes, there was it some is quite a hard lesson. Yeah, there was some striking parallels between her story and yours. And I, of course, will always be thinking of Emma and Jamie. So I approach it with caution, guys. It's it's a tough one to listen to, but it is again, it's it's a fabulous episode. She says modestly. <laughs> well, I'm I'm complimenting them, not me. Right, I'm going to shut up anyway. Speak to you soon, everybody. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, bye bye.